Rose holding and hard. Just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. podcast for aquamantron.com and firestormfan.com i am one of your co-hosts the something something rob kelly creator of the aquaman shrine and of course as usual my co-host is the irredeemable shag as most of you know who listened to the show last week or the last couple of weeks he is away right now he's over in california uh, nerding it up at gallifrey one or gallifreying it up at nerd one i don't know it doesn't make a difference um and we originally thought we weren't going to do a show this week because the show really is us together, uh, for <laughs> for better or for worse. But um, I had an idea a while back for a sort of series of shows that I thought it might be fun to try, and I sort of put it on the back burner, and then when I realized that we were going to have a down week, I thought this might be a good way, a, a good time to, uh, to try it out. Uh, this episode is going to focus uh, exclusively on the Power Records. Uh, for those of you too young to remember, Chad... The Power Records was a subset of uh, Peter Pan Records, which was a label that produced book and record sets for children. Um, you know, as you listen to the record, uh, it would, you know, featuring a full cast and sound effects and music and stuff, uh, you would have a book to read along to the story, too. It was, uh, they were great. I, I, um, I spent a good portion of my Sundays as a kid growing up listening to these Power Records. Um, in an era before superhero movies were, you know, so commonplace, um, Hearing your favorite characters in, in some quasi-live action was really exciting. And the comics at times could be really great. Some, uh, occasionally uh, they really uh, went all out and got you know, heavy hitters like uh, Neil Adams and John Romita and Larry Hama and Terry Austin to do, and Rich Buckler to do some of the artwork for these, uh, for these Power record sets. Um, most of the adventures were brand new. They were uh, completely done for, for Power Records. Occasionally they reprinted a story. The Spider-Man, Mark of the Man-Wolf is a reprint from a Spider-Man comic. But for the most part, they were new adventures. And they were done, you know, outside the auspices of DC or Marvel. Um, that was another neat thing. The Power Records had a license to both DC and Marvel. Again, something you don't, you don't see nowadays. So these, some of these adventures are a little strange. Um, you get the feeling there wasn't anybody at the Power Records offices 
uh, saying, you know what, I don't think Superman would say that, or I don't think Batman would uh, openly advocate that Joker get a lobotomy, um, with Robin cheerfully agreeing. Um, so that's what makes them fun, you know, is that they're, they're so kind of like off-model, something that just would not happen today. Uh, another thing that always fascinates me about the Power Records is that despite all the archaeology that's been done uh, on the world of comics in the previous decades, all the way from the 30s to, you know, like the 90s, the Power Records have, for the most part, been kind of forgotten. Um, I, uh, I ran a blog, of course I did, called powerrecord.blogspot.com, which uh, focused exclusively on these, on these babies, and I would print up the whole – I would post the entire book and the audio so people could enjoy them. And even though that blog's been dormant for well, like four or five years, I still get emails from, from that blog or comments. People you know, still like kind of find, want to find these things, and, and, and my blog is I think like the only place to find them as complete as you can. So it makes me realize that there's still an audience out there for them, and um, it always makes me feel good when I, I get an email from somebody that says, oh, you know, I introduced my children to these. I propped my son in front of the computer and played the entire, you know, Joker adventure, and uh, that, <laughs> I think that just makes me feel great. So I thought, you know, again, while Shag's away and he can't stop me, um, we would present a couple of these Power Record audio adventures for your listening pleasure. So we're going to do two here. Um, the first one is uh, The Defeat of the Dehydrator, starring, of course, Aquaman and Mira. Uh, it only runs about five minutes, so there's not a lot of time for plot development. In fact, there's no time for plot development other than, you know, something happens, more of it happens, and then it ends. There's no characterization at all, um, but it's still a lot of fun. So uh, enjoy listening to The Defeat of the Dehydrator, and then uh, join me again for um, a couple more comments about that, and then we'll go on to the next segment. Hey, Jim, what time's the supply ship due in? Our food supply's getting pretty low, and it'll be dark soon. It's overdue already. Overdue? Boy, there must be a better way of making a living than running a lighthouse on an island in the middle of nowhere. Whenever folks on shore need anything, they hop down the corner store and get it. <laughs> get out here, you got to sit around and wait and wait and wait. Hold it, Pete. There's a message coming in on the radio. Yeah, same old story, I suppose. Supply ship delayed until tomorrow. Shh, quiet. Good Lord. The supply ship has disappeared. Disappeared? On a day like this? Not a cloud in the sky. Not a white cap. The report said that the Coast Guard got an SOS a few hours ago. A sudden violent storm kicked up, and the ship was going up. Going down, you mean? No, no, it said going up. The ship's radio cut off at that point. Maybe they meant it caught fire and she was going up in flames. Flames? We would have seen flames. But that reminds me. Remember the Aurora Borealis last night and the night before? And unusually bright for the northern lights this time of year. And strange how they look like a, like a curtain of light dropping from the clouds to the ocean in just a small area. Northern lights usually seem to fill a whole part of the sky. Wonder if they affect the weather. Talk about the devil. Look out there. The lights again. And am I seeing things, or is that a wall of water going up from the ocean to the sky like an illuminated fountain in reverse? You're not seeing things, Jim. That's just what it is. Aquaman! Hi, Jim. Pete. And Mera. What are the king and queen of Atlantis doing out here? 
We've been studying those mysterious lights and their effect on the water for some time now. And frankly, we're worried. What if that curtain of light is in reality a sort of magnetic siphon controlled by intelligent beings from outer space? Intelligent beings from some water-starved planet who, like ourselves, need water to survive. And who have worked out a method of draining the ocean to provide life-giving water for their own planet. Congratulations, Aquaman. Excellent reasoning for a mere earthling, I must say. And who are you and what are you doing here? I am Hydro, the dehydrator from the planet Exodum. I have come to warn you, Aquaman, to remove all living things from the oceans of Earth. Well, without water, they would die. That is your problem. I am just trying to be what you would call humanitarian. In any case, within 24 hours, all the oceans of your Earth will be siphoned off to my planet. Within 24 hours? That's impossible. Oh, is it now? Look carefully at that curtain of light. Do you see that spaceship at the top? When I return there, I shall pull a switch which will activate the full power of our electromagnetic gravity intensifier. Magnetic gravity intensifier? That explains the wall of water rising out of the sea. Precisely. But what you see is only a small demonstration of its power. Similar to the one earlier in the day in which the supply ship for this lighthouse was unfortunately caught up. You murderer. We wish Earth people no harm, but the people of Exodum must have your ocean. You have been warned. Farewell. He's gone. What are we going to do, Aquaman? Without water, not only everything in the sea will die, but so will every living thing on land. We've got to stop Hydro before he pulls that switch. Come on, Mira. We're going to swim out to that curtain of light. Here we are, and there's the spaceship, way up there. Aquaman, we're being pulled up with the water. Just what I figured. We'll ride the water right up to the spaceship. Oh, there it is, and there's the airlock. Hang on to me now, and we're in. Never mind that. Quick, Mira. Jam that switch. Got it. Curse you both. But you will pay for this. The automatic controls on the spaceship have been activated, and we are already on our way back to the planet Exodome. Aquaman, he's right. We're moving up. No, we've stopped. We're going down. Right. Look out that window. It's Topo, our pet octopus, and a whole army of giant squids. They're pulling the ship down with their huge arms. How did they get up here? I sent a telepathic command to Topo to get his friends, the giant squids, and ride the wall of water up to the spaceship. The way we got up here. And pull it down to the sea where we shall turn you, Hydro, over to the authorities on land. This was Exodum's last hope. I have failed my people, and now they are truly doomed. But life on Earth has been saved thanks to you, Aquaman. And to you, my beautiful queen. How about that ending, huh? Uh, <laughs> it always cracked me up that the, the uh, story ends with the alien basically consigned, uh, an alien and his entire race consigned to a uh, slow, lingering death, and it ends with Aquaman and Mira just sort of having a good chuckle about the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> it was the 70s. It was a dark time. Um, so that's it's a lot of fun. Again, um, I think as I mentioned in the, the earlier segment, like there are no 
credits to any of these things. Like that seems to just have been lost within the mists of time. So I have no idea who played any of these people. You tend to hear the same voices over and over again, as, as would be expected. But I have no idea who played Aquaman. I have no idea who played Mira, and I'd love to know if they're still around. I, of course, love to interview them with, for the shrine and stuff. Um, it would be great, even like in a lot of you know, to me, they were just as valid an Aquaman as as uh, the Super Friends Aquaman. But until we can uh, find uh, those credits, uh, it just has to remain a the whole thing remains a mystery. Uh, the second segment that I wanted to run is kind of an unusual one in that it's fairly rare. And when I say rare, in that uh, Power Records, much like uh, say Kenner Toys later on with the Batman animated series toys. Uh, never meant a, a, a repurpose that they didn't like. Um, Power Records put out many, many, many editions of these records in long playing form in 45, where they would use the same stories over and over again and repackage them. You know, they would put this Spider-Man track on another album and vice versa, you know, back and forth. Um, this one features Shazam, the world's mighty Captain Marvel, the world's mightiest mortal. And it's unusual in that it exists only as a 45. It's not a book and record set. Um, I guess I should have mentioned the Aquaman doesn't come as a book and record set either. That's an audio-only adventure, which frustrated me. It would have been great to have that as a comic. But this Shazam adventure um, was never repurposed anywhere. It was never put on one of their longer-playing records. It was never put out as anything other than this. Um, so even though DC had the license to Captain Marvel and, and he would have fit in perfectly, he doesn't appear in like the Justice League record or, or anything. Um, it's, it's sort of it was like they just put this one out, separated it from everything else, and, and, and never did it again. So um, it's a fun adventure. It runs a little longer. It's about nine minutes. Where of course he takes on a, a villain who sounds new, but of course ends up being somebody we're all familiar with. So enjoy um, this adventure featuring Shazam. <laughs> studios of WHIZ-TV as Billy Batson, famous boy newscaster, winds up his early evening program. And my final item is a reminder about the mysterious, mind-boggling Dr. Illusion, whose phenomenal feats of ledger domain are the talk of the town. WHIZ is presenting him tonight in a TV special from our great open-air amphitheater before a live audience. Don't miss it. You're in for the treat of your life. Introducing the incomparable, the great, the one, the only, the mighty Dr. Illusion! Image or reality, ladies and gentlemen? That is the question. The substantive and the illusory. Fact and fantasy. Where is the dividing line? Or is there a dividing line? In my hand now, I have a deck of cards. I pick one. Aha! The Joker! A cameraman, zoom in close so the viewing audience out in TV land can see the car. Now, a wave of my hand, and presto! A jester! A real-life jester! Like out of the court of Henry VIII. And here we have the king of diamonds. I wave my hand over it like this, and... Life king on a throne. It's Henry VIII, I swear. Image or reality, ladies and gentlemen. Fact or fantasy. Substance or illusion. Behold, a chess set? Mere pieces of carved ivory, pawns, knights, castles? Or... Suddenly, 
suddenly, out of a chess set, materializes a living 16th century army. Each pawn transformed into 20-foot soldiers, each knight turning into 20 knights on horseback, all life-size and fully armored and moving forward threateningly in battle formation. Holy moly, the audience will be trampled to death. They're stampeding toward the exits. This is the time for Shazam! the sound of that magic word, a bolt of lightning flashes out of the night sky. A tremendous clap of thunder shatters the air, and Billy Batson is transformed into the world's mightiest mortal, Captain Marvel! Got to stop that army, and fast. Racing straight into the menacing mass of marching warriors, his fists flail out like the driving pistons of a mighty locomotive, and one after another in rapid succession, men and horses fall, and the whole army is reduced to... Holy moly. A chess set. The chess set that Dr. Illusion had on stage. Captain Marvel. Wow, what a fight. I saw armored knights and horses and foot soldiers falling all over the place. But where are the bodies? All I see is a bunch of... Right, Sam. Pawns, knights, castles. Pieces of a chess set. That's all that's left of a powerful fighting force. And the king and his jester. They're gone. And Dr. Illusion. He's gone too. Not yet, Captain Marvel. on the stage. I was hoping you would be present at this little demonstration of my power. What do you want with me? Only to destroy you. And what will that get you? Only the world, my friend. Only the world. So farewell for now. But we shall meet again, I promise you. And when we do... <laughs> One week later at the Science Museum... Mommy, what's that? What? That big monster. It's some kind of dinosaur. What about this one, Mommy? It really scares me. It's just another dinosaur called Rex Tyrannosaurus, and there's nothing to be afraid of. It's been dead for millions of years. Dead? But it just opened one eye. Oh, there goes that wild imagination again. I think it's time we went home. It's opening the other eye. That's enough, Tommy. We're leaving right now. But, Mommy, it's moving. Ah! It's walking. It's smashing everything in its way. Within minutes, terror grips the city as the ferocious Rex Tyrannosaurus smashes its way out of the museum and rampages through the streets, tearing down buildings, tossing cars and trucks around like toys, and shooting flame from its mouth. This is Captain Mullaney in car 101. That monster is uncontrollable. Send out a call for Captain Marvel. He's the only one who can stop this thing from wiping out the city. Holy moly, look at that thing. And coming this way, time for Shazam! And as Billy is transformed into Captain Marvel, the sight of the mighty hero seems to rouse the monster to a blazing fury. That's got to be the biggest Rex Tyrannosaurus in history. It's 30 feet high if it's an inch, and shooting flames from its mouth. Hey, wait a doggone minute. A flame-breathing dinosaur? Impossible. Unless this is one of Dr. Illusion's... <laughs> So it's another one of your little games, Doctor. Yes, my friend. Only this time you'll find it's still illusion. <laughs> Holy moly, coming right at me. Whew, if those teeth don't get me, halitosis will. Okay, Rex, old boy, I'm ready for you. 
And then begins a titanic struggle between the world's fiercest dinosaur and the world's mightiest mortal as the beast lunges at his prey. You missed, Big Tooth. Let's see how you like this. Mm. Holy moly, my hardest punch, and he didn't even feel it. <laughs> you met your match this time, Captain Marvel. <laughs> Ripping a huge steel drive shaft out of one of the trucks overturned by the monster, he turns to face his ferocious foe. Come on, Rex, baby, one more time now. Come and get it. And once again, the frenzied beast lunges forward, his huge jaws agape. But instead of dodging, Captain Marvel leaps straight toward the terrifying twin rows of monstrous teeth and thrusts the steel drive shaft upright between the jaws of the startled creature, preventing them from closing. How do you like that, big mouth? And ripping off some cable wire from telephone lines the beast had torn down, Captain Marvel swiftly ties him up, jaws, forearms, and legs, and leaves him lying helpless on the street. That takes care of you, Rex, my boy. And now to take care of you, Dr. Illusion, I've had enough of your fun and games. But how do you take care of an illusion? Like this. Bounding in a single leap to the rooftop, Captain Marvel tries to seize Dr. Illusion, only to see him disappear before his eyes. <laughs> Image or reality, my friend? Fact or fantasy? Substance or illusion? That is still the question, is it not, Captain? And Captain Marvel sees Dr. Illusion reappear, apparently floating on air just above a building some distance ahead. Oh, come now, Captain. You won't give up that easily, will you? You can bet your bippy I won't. that voice. I'm beginning to see the light. The mighty Dr. Illusion is an illusion. Congratulations, Captain. Now I see it all. There is no Dr. Illusion, but there is someone out there. You, Dr. Savannah. Captain. Dr. Illusion was simply an image projected by you, my old enemy. From my control ship here in the sky. But the performance on the stage, how did you... That was really me, in the sky. Setting the stage for our final confrontation here. Aren't you going to ask me about the jester, the king, and the chessman army? I think I can guess. An illusion created by an invisible mind-controlling gas you sprayed over the audience and me. Very good, Captain. And the dinosaur? A simple injection with a new serum I created in my laboratory restored him to life. Very effectively, I must say. So now you know the secret of Dr. Illusion. But the knowledge will do you no good, because the nuclear missile I am launching right now is electronically guided to track you down. There is no escape for you this time. <laughs> but once again, Dr. Savannah underestimates the power and speed of his longtime adversary, zigzagging too fast for the missile to track. The world's mightiest man grasps it from behind and aims it directly at Savannah's control ship. Bullseye! And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. The true inside story of the end of the mighty Dr. Illusion and hopefully of the even mightier Dr. Savannah. is the adventure starring Shazam. Of course, the uh, villain turns out to be Dr. Savannah. You know, why not? Um, much like, uh, you know, every other Superman story, when they introduce a new villain, it's always end up being Luthor. Uh, so that is, uh, those are the two power record adventures that I wanted to run. There are dozens more. Um, there's ones featuring Superman, of course, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, 
There's a plastic man, a metamorpho. Metamorpho. They actually thought to bother to do metamorpho. Um, and then on the Marvel side, there's Spider-Man, Captain America, Hulk, the Fantastic Four, a bunch of, bunch of other Spider-Men. Uh, there's a Conan, which is truly creepy. There's a lot of great ones. So um, if you like this episode and you want to hear more of these Power Record adventures, um, please drop us an email, of course, at Firewater um, firewaterpodcast at comcast.net, or you can leave a comment on either one of our blogs, um, com or firestormfan.com, and let us know. And maybe, you know, when we take some off weeks, we can put up more of these. I think they're a lot of fun to listen to, um, and I like sort of presenting them to potentially a, a new audience because I think they are um, a real blast. So anyway, so that's it for this episode, kind of a short one. I hope you enjoyed it. And again, if you want to hear more, let us know. If not, uh, I guess you should let us know, let us know that as well. Um, thanks for listening to the Fire and Water podcast. Shag should be back next week, I'm sure, with Tales of Ribald Rhea from Gallifrey One. And until then, fire the uh, – fire – what am I saying? Ride, <laughs> ride the wave, fire the flame. That's not – I don't even remember the name of our own catchphrase. Anyway, see you guys later. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah! Robin, knowing the cleverness of this artful dodger, who can say for sure? Perhaps a frontal lobotomy would be the answer. If science could operate on this distorted brain and put it to good use, society would reap a great benefit. Come, Robin, into the Batmobile and home.